0: Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. And welcome to the Investor Coaching Show. I am Paul Winkler, talking the world of money and investing, and joined here. Mr. Ira work, he's hanging. Mason's all over it. He's recognized. Ira may not handle his own money. <laughs> I'm here to help out. Yeah, no, you got it, brother. I mean, uh, good, good to, good to have you on the board today, man. So um, awesome. So yes, uh, it feels like I've only. It feels like it was only like yesterday that I was in here. Oh, it was yesterday. I was, I was in here, Chris Ann. <laughs> Pulls me in, I, I'm, I'm I'm walking Max, you know, on the board, right, Mason, and you know, so Max in there in the board, and we were joking around about something that uh, one of the politicians said, and and we were talking about a um, Mongolian space station, I think it was, we were we were, <laughs> and it was just like the running joke, and Chris is like going, get in here, get in here, so uh, went on the air with him, and we were back and forth, we were all over the place we were talking about nuclear energy and I was surprised that Chris knew about modular nuclear reactors. I, I thought that oh, was wow. pretty impressive. Yeah. I it's like, that guy is like really well read. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the whole idea being that, you know, we have safer ways to get nuclear energy and we're just not hearing about it. Nobody's talking about it. We got to talk about electric cars, but then what, shows up in the wall street journal today and that is that america's most tech forward city has doubts about self-driving cars not necessarily battery-powered cars but just self-driving cars uh period and you think well you know who other than san francisco would be all over this but apparently they're not all over this i guess you know I, i and you look at some of the places it's being tested and I go. I don't know. Would you get in? So would you get in a self-driving car and jump in and go? I'm just gonna
1: just throw ride along. To the wind,
0: throw yeah, caution to the wind. I don't think I could do it. I don't. I couldn't do it either. Ira, you? Um. Well, you probably would, wouldn't you?
1: I don't know actually. I I have a little bit of a control issue.
0: I don't even like being in the <laughs> I know scene. you have a
1: control issue. <laughs> I don't even like being in in the passenger seat of a car with somebody that I know is capable of driving. Speaking
0: of control issues, I did a video yesterday and uh I this, uh, there's a question came in and did a video, but I thought I would just cover it here on the show. A little bit of the contents of the video video is coming out soon with visuals that you got to check out. I won't cover it all. Just I'll, I'll leave some stuff hanging. But, um, the question that somebody had asked was about previous radio show that I had done. And I was talking about, Hey, don't try to take control of your investment portfolio, thinking you have control by getting out when you think the market's going to go down further and you're nervous and you you want to just grab the reins and you see the market dropping down. This is really, really, really key because this is so often what investors do. If you look at maybe one of the biggest things, and not only invest investors, the investment advisors do this, we know. Because I've got some stuff on a fund, some new funds that are being pitched to advisors. And advisors going, yeah, this is great. you know, And I'm going, no, 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 don't do this. But um, anyway, so w- what the, uh, the question was, was that I was talking about how you'll have just a few days in a year mm-hmm. that will give you all the market upside. Right. And, and we've talked about
1: that uh-huh. before. Uh, and We actually go over it a lot in the workshops we teach
0: yeah in this particular case he was talking about something i had said one day about seven to ten days in a year gave you all the return and and i said you know hey look if you weren't there those days when the market went up you missed a whole lot and he was telling a friend of his said his friends just like i don't believe that i don't believe that stuff and i'm going well you know okay i'll do a video on it and i did and what I was referring to, what I referred to at the very beginning of the video, was a study. It was done by the University of Michigan, and it was called Stock Market Extremes in Portfolio Performance. And this particular study went all the way back to 1926. Now, I've never talked about this part of the study before, where it goes all the way back, because normally the study we talk about in the workshops, 63 to 2004, mm-hmm. is what we talk about. But it does all the way go, go all the way back to 1924. So we're like, looking at everything we've got stock market data-wise. But what it did, which was interesting, is in the first study, which went back to 26, I guess they didn't wanna <laughs> put all forth all the effort. They looked at month-by-month data is, is what they did in that particular study. And what they were looking at is, hey, how many months can you miss? And you know, if you, the market goes up in a particular month, what happens to your returns if you miss that month? Then the st- second study did days, and that's the one that we actually refer to in our workshop is right. the one that looks at uh, 1963 to 2004. And there are a couple studies, and, and one, uh, one study was actually looking at a little bit shorter period of time than that. But basically what it was looking at is how many days give you all of the stock market return historically – Because imagine yourself as an investor going, hey, you know what? I see some bad stuff, and I'm hearing some bad stuff in the media. It's kind of scary. I think I'm going to pull my money out, kind of ride this thing out. And when things look better, quote, unquote. Get back in. I'm going to get back in. Well, if you look at it, the data says that 96% of market gains occurred in zero percent we rounded to 0.9 in the workshop, but it's 0.85 technically is what the study said. So it's basically 0.9, less than 1% of trading days. So how many trading days are there in the year? It's just over about 250 on average. About 250 days on average is what you'll have is how many, time, how many days does the stock market actually trade stocks? So you look at that and go, well, do the math. 1% of 250 is about 2.5 days, you know, just uh, just under. So literally a couple days out of the year, give you all your returns, the way you could look at it that way. So uh, what happened is that we we took a look at that and we said, okay, that's really interesting. You got that. And then you've got another study that was done and it was done by CNBC. They actually looked at the numbers and they says, if you miss the market's best days, uh, there can be a problem. And here's what happens. They said you, and this is the title of the article, you may miss the market's best days if you sell amid high volatility. Mm -hmm. So you look at it and you go, when am I most likely to do something rash? Um, When I think things are really bad. And
1: things are volatile. Right. But here's the problem, and I hate that, is that the market is not really any more volatile than it's ever been.
0: But there are certain days that are, that, well, there uh, There are, is if you look at the VIX, you can measure that. You yeah, know? But, so, but, but yeah, the, technically you're
1: right. But the reality is, you don't really know that that day is going to be yeah, volatile. that's exactly right. You
0: know, oh my God, today was a volatile day. And that's a, that's a phenomenal point, Ira. And the reality of it is, is this, if you look back and people say, oh, the market's like really, really volatile. And I go, well, I did this once. I, did, I was doing a TV show for Channel 5 and I said, uh, hey, let's take a look at the data. Is it actually more volatile? And I went back and I looked at how you measure volatility. How, do you, how are you going to figure that out? Well, you know, those of you into, into statistics are going to go standard deviation. What is standard deviation? How big are the ups and downs? What's the amplitude of the ups and downs? How, do, how wide of the, is the dispersion, so to speak, from the expected return? Um, you know, it sounds like gibberish to you. It's If you expect a return of 10%, but all your returns are between two and 18, that's not very volatile, right? That's not a whole lot of dispersion. There's not a big range of returns. But if you got 10 and it's up 60 and it's down 30, now you got a big dispersion. Now that, now you're talking about some risk. So that's how we measure risk. Well, I looked at the risk of the markets going back to the 1970s, 1980s, 1990s, and I looked through periods of time you wouldn't have thought of as volatile, and they were. They were every bit as volatile. And so Ira is exactly right about that. So what I did is I said, you know, well, what happens if you look at high volatility? Now, you have this thing called a VIX. Now, some of you may have read about it, heard about it. You're watching TV and they're talking about the VIX is this, the VIX is that. No, it isn't like Rub or anything like that. No, we're talking about volatility of the market. We're talking about how volatile it is. When you hear the VIX is, you know, it, you know they'll have measurements of it. And when you're looking at periods of time where we just don't really know, I never, I'll never, i never forget when the election was happening and you had Phil, Phil Valentine, Michael DiGiorno, uh, Dan Mandis, I think it was. And I think, um, oh gosh, who else? I forget, I forget who else was there. Um, but there were, there were several people there and they said, Paul, get up here, get up here. And it was election night. And they said, this is kind of going crazy. And I said, well, here's what's going on. There is a lack of information. We don't know what exactly is happening. And when I don't know what's happening, I will discount what I'm willing to pay for something. And that's what's happening in the stock market. When I'm like going, I don't know exactly where things are going to go. I will drop the price I'm willing to pay. Think about it if you're buying a car. And you're going, yeah, I'm thinking about buying this car. And you're going but I don't know if it's been an accident. I don't know if, you know, if it just basically has gone through absolute turmoil and and is in there, they're just maybe is intermittently having some kind of a, an engine problem or something like that. If it's what I don't know, or let's say you take a house and you go, I don't know if the thing's sitting on, you know, maybe a, um, maybe a sinkhole. If I don't know what's going on, it's always the owner that knows more about the car than I do, right? Well, well, so what I do is I will discount what I'll pay for because of that risk.
1: Well, do you remember when we had the flood back in 2010? Sure. So I was living in an apartment on a hill, uh-huh. and I had and I had a garage at this apartment. Uh-huh. And I had my daughter's car in the garage. Okay. And when somebody came, I was selling her car for her. Yeah. And somebody came and said, well, can you prove to me that the car was not Sitting in the water in the flood, right? I'm like, well, look how high the hill is, and it was in the yeah. garage. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, like, This car was yeah. not Good flooded.
0: Proof. Good proof. You know, but what if you, uh, you know, what if the car hadn't been in the garage when the flood happened, or whatever? Well, if it
1: would have been in, you know, actually affected by the flood, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have gotten anything for the car.
0: And you know, the thing is, is sometimes you'll have you know, people are looking at accident records on cars now before they buy them. So, oh yeah, Carfax. So yeah, exactly. So so the point is this. What we're looking at is if I am at a loss for information, I drop the price. And that's the way the stock market works. Mm -hmm. And many times you'll have something happens. We don't really know. But in a few days, the information is going to come out or a few hours. You'll find that there are periods of time where the stock market is more volatile. And well, that's exactly what happens well, here.
1: Well, that's why we saw the stock market drop during COVID. Right. You know, when businesses shut down, Good example. there were no sales. Good example. So, therefore, if the companies are not bringing in money, you don't know what their revenues are. You we don't, don't know, know what, what this their profits is. are going to be. Right. You don't know how long this is going to last. Yeah. So, that's why the prices of the stock dropped. It wasn't because the companies all of a sudden became bad companies.
0: That, that's, it. that's another great example. So, what happens? If you're looking at these times of high volatility and you sell, well, if you look at the 10 best days in the stock market from 2002 through 2022, what you will notice is that that range is anywhere from 6% to to about 12% return one day, one day, bam. You have one day and you'll have that much. And a couple of the days, October 13th, October 28th, that was within a very, very short period of time between each other, and you're looking at somewhere in about 22 percent return lost if you weren't there. 22 percent positive return lost. So what happens is this: we try to take, uh, you know, we try to take control. We think, you know, I'm, we gotta, uh, you know, try to make sure that we protect ourselves, and and in essence, we protect ourselves from upside return as well when we do that. JP Morgan study, they did 10 best days of the past 20 years. And they looked at, in the best 10 days, they typically occurred during the worst or the most scary times. So recognize that that's the way it works. Now, has someone invested $10,000 in the S&P 500 on January 1st of 2002? Well, you'll notice is that that $10,000 grew to about $62,000. Okay, if you miss the 10 best days, think I didn't miss much. 10 best days, you end up with half the amount of money. One half the amount of money. You miss the best 20 days, you end up with about a quarter of the amount of money. You miss the best 30 days, one sixth. I mean, out of 20 years, it is a huge, huge deal. You know, So if you look at that and you go, wow, man, that can be a huge. Now, what happened is we actually did our only re- research, and I'm, I'm just going to hold this. You watch the video and you watch the research that, that uh, Scott did in our office because I wanted to look back through history and said, okay, in every year, we actually looked at every year and then we looked at day-to-day returns. And we looked at how many days did it take to give you all of the positive return in the stock market? It's shocking. Okay, so Ira, your turn. What do you got?
1: Well, one of the things that <clears throat> is always a question when people come into the office and are ready to retire, I always have them fill out a form to let their at expenses. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of expenses, or if you're you know, 50, 55 and you say, well, how much am I going to need for retirement? We need to look at what the expenses are because there are a lot of expenses that will or should maybe completely disappear. And that, some of them Are they ever good totally at figuring reduced. out what their
0: expenses are? No. Okay, not. I was just gonna say I want to know yeah. if your experience is like mine. And one of the biggest <laughs> things that I have, that I don't I, know what I'm spending. I'm you know it comes in, I spend it. Right. <laughs> if it hits
1: my checking account, that's why uh, I do recommend putting money away first into the retirement plan. Mm-hmm.
0: But for example, when people
1: say you know well my mortgage is two thousand dollars a month, mm-hmm. and that'll be gone. Most people like myself, I'm escrowing my taxes and my insurance. Right. So that's part of my $2,000 a month mortgage. Sure, sure. So they don't actually know how much, what is the breakdown between their principal and interest payment and their are and insurance mm-hmm. because they're going to have taxes for as long as they own the house. Now, they don't have right. to have insurance. Yeah, you
0: want to see if you really own a house? Stop paying your taxes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, you do really own your house, but the yeah, government but can take it away. <laughs> but, it's- but, but the point is that you don't have to have insurance. Like when we have a mortgage, the bank requires us to have insurance.
0: Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to imagine myself going, yeah, I don't think I'll have a... Yeah, no. <laughs> and
1: insurance? Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop having insurance on my house. No, I wouldn't either. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. for the simple reason and we talking about that, you know, why do people have a mortgage? Because mm-hmm. most people here in Nashville probably can't afford to spend three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a year, just stroke a check yeah. and pay for the house.
0: You'll pay for the house if it burns down or Mercury's or, you know, or uh,
1: whatever yeah. else we're being you know, we're here people hear us, so they can't just write. So they take a mortgage, and most banks do require, actually I think every bank requires you to have insurance. Right. And right. the easiest way to deal with it is to escrow it. Mm-hmm. So that is one of the first things that has to be broken out when we're planning for retirement, because those two things, tax and insurance, will continue on. Mm-hmm. But one of the things, for example, that will go away is what is does it cost you to go back and forth to work? So
0: N- nothing, because I don't I live so close to <laughs> I'm like two miles from my office. <laughs> right. So in the morning
1: when I leave Nashville and I drive out to Murfreesboro, I see people driving and sitting in traffic.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: And I know that's costing yes. them gas money just sitting. there. I know you weren't talking about me. At ten miles, <laughs> you know, ten miles an hour. Sure. So commuting costs are one of the things that will actually be reduced. Uh huh. Um, another thing is payroll taxes.
0: I That's one I find, Ira, that people do miss quite often. They don't think about it, that you're not going to be paying payroll taxes on IRA distributions or any kind of retirement fund in distributions. Right. You're, you're exactly right. Or Social Security. Especially if you're self-employed because you mm-hmm. got both sides. Right. You know?
1: Um, in many cases, when you get to retirement, your kids are gone.
0: So way, hopefully, you ha- <laughs> well, just you uh, know, Hopefully they do come so that back So they might just down Be in, down the basement But,
1: but, but uh, You know For the most part I think most people For the most part they're gone You know I, And I, I've told my son When he said to me You know When I go to college I'm going to move back After I graduate Yeah And live with you Until I'm 30 To save money to buy a house And I said When you when you go to college I'm moving And I'm not telling you where I'm, I'm, just, I'm
0: not giving you A forwarding <laughs> address <laughs> And so then he said Well
1: what about If I get married and have kids, I said, I'll tell you what restaurant <laughs> to meet <make> me at.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's funny.
1: But, you know, you're not dealing with preschool anymore. You're not dealing with aftercare, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Just the cost of feeding your child, it's estimated that raising a child from birth uh, through to adulthood Will cost about three hundred
0: thousand dollars. I've heard that, and you know, and some people say, "Well, that's the reason not to have kids." And I go, "No, no, 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 it's worth it. It is worth it. Yeah, yeah, it It is is. worth it."
1: Um, I couldn't imagine. I mean, as
0: as much as people joke about that, I often have to have to find myself going, "No, no, 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 wait a minute, don't, uh, yeah."
1: But you know, but you know that figure by the Brookings Institute. I wonder how they actually came up with that.
0: I, you
1: because know, I raised That's two, a good question. I raised two kids. Yeah. And, you know, I have a daughter who's now 35, her son is 32. Um, I don't think it cost me anywhere near $300,000 to raise each one of them.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think it is an odd number. I, I don't know where it came from.
1: Yeah, so, so I'm often curious about how, unless you're like. Break well, you out. A B
0: people. I you know I, you can't even A B people because people will if you have one person that doesn't have any kids and they have the same income as another person that does have have kids and, and you know, look at, but now that doesn't even fit. Forget it. No, I, I, I can't I don't know where. I really don't.
1: No, I can't figure that out either. Like, where does that number come from? We actually, should, you know what? You should have Scott get that study no. <laughs> don't, and don't. break it out.
0: Yeah, like my guys have so much time on their hands. Well, there you go. <laughs> <And> that'll use <laughs> up some of their time. Yeah, right. Sorry. Um, no, guys, listen, I'm not going to have you do that. <laughs> in, ma-
1: <laughs> in many cases, as we talked a minute ago about mortgages and taxes and insurance, uh-huh. the mortgages might be gone.
0: Right, uh, and and then sometimes you know you, you know it's really funny. I find people when I say, well, you know, I you might do a reverse mortgage in retirement. They're no, 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 no. I'm like, on you know what? A lot of people, they get to retirement, they still got a mortgage, and they're like, I don't want to work anymore, and that can be a valid way of not having it, and then you get rid of that payment. Because uh, basically, you know, the reverse mortgage, if you know what they are, you're in essence, what you're doing, you're not giving the house to the bank. That's not what you're doing. What you're doing is refinancing and just setting up a mortgage that you don't have to make payments on. You can if you want, but you don't have to make payments on them. And then what happens is then the interest gets on top of whatever. Let's say you borrowed the amount of money that it took to wipe out your previous mortgage. Then what will happen is your interest will pile on top of that. Now, what's happening, hopefully, is your house is growing in value. As it's growing in value and also the mortgage is growing in value, hopefully the growth, I say hopefully, will outstrip it. If it doesn't outstrip it, if for some reason the mortgage ends up eclipsing it, and being a bigger number than the value of the house you still don't have to repay it nor do your heirs have to repay it so it's always something that i tell people this is an option out there but back to your point about you don't have to have a mortgage payment and that could be a huge part of people's budgets
1: yeah and and you know it's it, it can be a good tool yeah it can be. um i remember when we had and we so- don't
0: sell them by the way Right. But, <laughs> you know, it's, no, this isn't because we sell this stuff. Yeah, we, we don't, don't sell, sell anything. We, we don't right. sell
1: anything. Um, but I remember when we had a reverse mortgage expert come in to educate us on it mm-hmm. so that when clients did ask us questions about it, we can speak from an educated place, mm-hmm. which is what we like to do with our clients, so they can make an educated decision, not one that they, after the fact, they go, oh, my God, I should have never done that. Right. You know, sometimes they choose to do something anyway, even if we point out this is not really a good idea. Right. And then we can't fix it.
0: Well, in the reverse mortgage market as well, you also, when you're thinking about doing something like that, that you actually have to pay, uh, excuse you, you have to go through uh, you know, a counseling session before they'll even let you buy it. You know, so you have to go through a counseling session so the person that has nothing to do with the mortgage company whatsoever is educating you how this thing works, what the pitfalls are, the pros and the cons and all of that stuff. So that you, when you walk into it, it's, you know, it's eyes wide open. And, you know, it, frankly, it'd be lovely if the financial world would work that way too, because people buy stuff all the time, Annuity, You can't buy an annuity unless you go through an education session. Don't, oh, you don't no, want to go, no, you know, no, no, no. <laughs> they probably never sell annuities well, again. Well,
1: actually, you know, they, <sighs> they, they are doing education sessions. They're educating them on the bells and whistles of the annuity. Hey, right, and why but not the negatives. They, and right. why they should buy them and <laughs> not tell them about the six, 7% commissions they make
0: selling them. You know, I, re- I almost made it through a half hour of the show without picking on annuities and thinking <laughs> you know what happens. Um, you know, it just didn't work. But uh, I, know, couldn't, I couldn't do it. Another thing
1: that retirees get that most people don't get, um, and I know because my wife is thrilled when she goes to certain stores now on certain days, mm-hmm. she gets that senior citizen discount.
0: And that oh, helps cut oh, that some just, expenses. It's just, just straight to the heart. <laughs> <laughs> senior. You know, I, I looked at something the other day, and I didn't qualify for the senior citizen. I was I was pretty overjoyed. Well, but, you know, you get some of these things. They're lowering and then lowering and lowering the age to make more people eligible, and it really bothers me.
1: Well, I was actually, <laughs> uh, several years back, I went to the movies, <clears throat> And the price they said to me for the t- movie ticket was lower than what I'm looking at. You know, it said adult price. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, it was $18. Yeah, and he's like, no, I don't. And qualify. she said, um, well, no, it's $14. I'm like, what? And I look up and said, senior citizen, $14. I took it for $14 because I was
0: insulted. <laughs> she deserves pay me less. She thought I was a senior <laughs> citizen. I mean, come on. You are listening to the investor coaching show. <laughs> Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. You want to learn more about what we do? Go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there. And if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors. And confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one.